don't you stand for a moment? I'm only going to read one verse as I begin, but I know I know all of you are a little gun shy after Bishop again at meet, but my name's David, not Chester, so I'm okay with standing at the beginning and you not standing. I respect what Bishop said. I understand what he said, but so. Anyway, some of y'all probably were sitting there not sure what to do. So, um, if you guys could switch uh, my iPad on. I think I'm on the proper... um, uh, i got to do one more thing. There we go. I think um, I uh, I read somehow I got some I I got on an email list on my secondary email. It's got like pastors resources and stuff, and and there was an article I came across a day or two ago, and and uh, it was it was kind of a recommended schedule for the week for a full time pastor, and and uh, it was suggested that you have your Sunday sermon finalized by noon on Monday. (laughs) Like fully written out and done on Monday. I feel like such a horrible failure. I I have no idea. And you would think after weeks of not teaching on Thursday nights, I would be like honed in, but actually it's the opposite. There's like so many different things on my mind and my spirit, and so to the best of my ability, I have tried to narrow down what the Lord would have me to focus on here this evening. So James 1 verse 8, I think most of you probably could quote this verse, a double-minded man is unstable in some of his ways. A double-minded man is unstable in all his ways. The Amplified says it this way, For being as he is, a man of two minds, hesitating, dubious, irresolute, he is unstable and unreliable and uncertain about everything he thinks, feels, and decides. And then Young's literal translation, I don't use this very often, but it, it kind of just gets down to the bare minimum. Amplified's kind of the opposite. It's wordy and lengthy. But Young's literal translation is kind of concise and to the point and to be a reflection of the literal translation, hence the name. But it says it this way a two souled, well, I'm still going through puberty. Did you hear that? A two-souled man is unstable in all his ways. I want, you to, I want you to take note of that because that's not, you know, sometimes I read the Message Bible because it's catchy and wordy and cool, but, but this, is, this is significant. A two-souled man is unstable in all his ways. Father, 
Thank you for another opportunity to be together with you and with fellow believers. Thank you for the privilege you've given us to be here tonight. I pray, God, that you would minister and speak tonight, Lord. We are living in important times, challenging times, significant times, and we need to hear from you. We need you to work in us and through us, work on us. So I pray, God, that you would speak to us tonight. I pray that you would anoint us to hear what you would desire to say to us. In the name of Jesus Christ, in Jesus' name, amen. God bless you. You may be seated. A two-souled man, and that's not based on two shoes, a two-souled man is unstable in all his ways. How many of you here tonight have been born again? Been born again. This is not a trick question. How many of you have been born again? Do you understand that when you were born again, your citizenship changed? Your allegiances were supposed to change. It's kind of unique. This is not the norm by any stretch, but the missionaries um, are uh, they're missionaries to Hungary. And uh, but the unique thing is they are both from Hungary. They came to the States separately, didn't know each other. Uh, Their last name is Czech. Sister Czech came to the States at 21 years old, worked in New York on Long Island as a nanny. Um, Brother Check came, I think, of similar time frame, age-wise, ended up meeting each other, getting saved, and then the Lord sending them back to, to Hungary. And you know, you can, you can live someplace. You can, they, they were very positive about this country. They actually never intended to go back. They were, they were content to be in America, but God dealt with them and called them. And uh, now they are absolutely thrilled to be doing what they're doing. But you, you, can live, you can live in America as a foreigner and appreciate and enjoy the benefits, but your allegiance still be to the nation, the country you came from. But that's not the way it works when we're born again. We're not dual citizens. <laughs> We're not citizens that are taking on the benefits of a new nation, a new country, or a new kingdom, really would be the more biblical term, and yet we're still living with the benefits of where we came from. And so when you are born again, the, the laws that, are, that govern your life are not the same laws that govern the lives of the unbelievers. That's why, at least this is what I believe, that's why an unbeliever who is a business owner can be successful with cutting corners and being dishonest and cheating because they live under a different set of rules. But as a born-again believer, if you're in business, you ought to do it right. You ought to be honest. You ought to be, you ought to be the most pleasant person to work for and work with. And if you don't follow the laws of the kingdom you're in, things should not go right for you. Because you're in a different kingdom. The problem is, 
when we waffle back and forth between the kingdoms that we're trying to live in. I, I know I've said this before. I've struggled with this before on a Thursday night because you, you, you get as close to and there are people that are a part of the core, the nucleus, as Brother Grossbach would say. There are people that are a part of the nucleus of Antioch Central that aren't here tonight for whatever reasons. But they are a part of that. But, but the bottom line is Thursday night is where we get as close to the nucleus. That's the smallest crowd of the week. It's always been that way and, and it should be that way. Because you're getting down to the you're getting down to the core. And sometimes the things I feel led to minister on a Thursday night I struggle with because of who this group is. But the bottom line is read, especially read the things that are written in the epistle and the epistles to saved people. The warnings and instructions and encouragements and rebukes, etc., that were given to saved people. Because we can't take for granted that we've arrived. If I were to ask you right now, how many of you here tonight are saved? Everybody that raised their hand that you were born again, you'd raise your hand. The bottom line is, in this moment, as long as we're breathing, we're not saved. I say I'm saved by faith. If I say in this moment I'm saved, it's because I'm trying my best to live according to the Word of God, submitted, surrendered to the Spirit of of God. And so by faith, God calls those things that are not as though they were. But as long as I'm still breathing, I haven't made it yet. And we we are in perilous times. And they're not going to get any easier. I was, I forget, I think it was actually to, with the missionaries the other night, and I've done it these last 12 plus months. I've done it. I'm not casting stones. But there have been times I've gotten so caught up in all the negative in our world and the negative in this country and forgot about the fact we are a part of a glorious church. And we, we've got, we heard about them at, uh, I think at Paws, I think it was. Uh, we, we've got great promises as the body of Christ. And we've got promises as a local congregation of what God is yet to do. And so we need to get our eyes off of all the negative and start seeing beyond that to look Look for where God is working and what God is doing because we are going to be victorious. So all of that being said, we're in some challenging times. Do you know what? The the more I reread the Word of God, the more amazing it is to me. There is absolutely nothing we are facing in 2021 that the Word of God did not give us some kind of an idea it was coming. There are no challenges that you and I face. In fact, what so amazes me, and I'm going to get there in a little bit, the Lord willing, but what amazes me, especially in the spiritual context of the church, there are all kinds of things that we face in the spiritual that you just read a little bit of the children of Israel's history and you find natural examples of the spiritual things we're facing. Nothing new under the sun. And so, if there's ever been a time where we can't afford to be double-minded, 
It's today. It's the season that we are in right now. Again, Young's literal translation says, James 1 and 8 this way, A two-souled man is unstable in all his ways. You know, most of you know this, but for context this evening, I just want to remind you of it. The soul, we are, we are made up of three parts, body, soul, and spirit. The soul, that's, your soul, is that's really who you are. Your body's not who you are. Your soul is who you are. That's the real you. And according to Thayer's Greek lexicon, the soul is the seat of the feelings, desires, affections, aversions, our soul, heart, etc., it is the human soul insofar as it is constituted by as as it is so constituted that by the right use of the aids offered it by God it can attain its highest end and secure eternal blessedness the soul regarded as a moral being designed for everlasting life and then the soul as an essence which differs from the body and is not dissolved by death Back to the first definition, it is the seat of the feelings, desires, affections. Solomon says, guard your heart, because out of it are the issues of life. Guard your heart, because whatever gets in your heart is going to determine the actions. It's going to determine what comes out. Your soul determines how you think, how you feel, what you value, how you live. And so, again, Young says, a two-souled man. Double-minded. The word double-minded in the Greek means wavering, uncertain, doubting. I want you to look especially at this second definition here. Divided interest, namely between God and the world. Divided interest between God and the world. And you know what? In this room tonight, there is a significant percentage of people that are divided between God and the world. Divided, torn, pulled back and forth between how you're going to live, how you're going to think, what your morals are, what your values are. I'm trying to be unkind to you tonight, but there are double-minded people. Say, Brother Wright, we're here on a Thursday night. In this context, so what? My physical presence does not, is not synonymous with undivided interest. Just because I may be physically present does not mean my interests are not divided. 
And a person who is double-minded, that is two-souled, is unstable in all, all, all. If you can't get settled, my life is not my own. To Him I belong. If you can't make up your mind to present your body as a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable unto God as your reasonable service, you will be double-minded and you will be unstable in all of your ways. One of these days I'm going to become a Shine FM preacher. Uplifting and encouraging. Barnes note says this about unstable in all, in all. That is, not merely in regard to prayer, the point particularly under discussion, but in respect to everything. From the instability which the wavering must evince in regard to prayer, the apostle takes occasion to make the general remark concerning such a man that stability and firmness could be expected on no subject. The hesitancy which manifested on that one subject would extend to all, and we might expect to find such a man irresolute and undetermined in all things. This is always true. If we find a man who takes hold of the promises of God with firmness, who feels the deepest assurance when he prays that God will hear prayer, who always goes to Him without hesitation in His perplexities and trials, never wavering, we shall find one who is firm in His principles, steady in His integrity, settled in His determinations, and steadfast in His plans of life. A man whose character we shall feel that we understand and in whom we can confide. If you're unstable, this is not just in regards to your 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 spiritual life. If you're a part of the kingdom, if you're born again and you're double-minded, you're unstable in all ways. We, we, we are, again, I said it already, there's, according to the scripture, there's nothing new under the sun. Nothing new under the sun. In principle, in, in, in theory, I don't think he wasn't talking about technology and whatever else. But, but, but at the heart of who we are, at the heart of humanity, there, there are no humans 2.0. God doesn't release updates to humanity. He makes man the same way he made Adam and Eve. He did it perfect from the beginning. And so at the, 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 uh, the, the, I think mediums might be the word, even though we use that a lot of times in kind of a spiritual context, but the mediums, the outlets by which we get information may be new and different than they've been. We may be bombarded more. I mean, I know we got younger here tonight, so I will 
try to be discreet, but you know, years ago, if you were going to get involved in pornography, you had to put forth some effort. You had to go get a magazine somewhere. You had to go sneak something. Yet now, all you need is a device. So the, the the heart of the issue is the same, even though the opportunity may be different or more convenient. And so, again, in principle, there's nothing new, but I believe one of the things that is intensified in this world that we are in today is the blending of God and the world. And I'm talking about from the side of the church. I'm not talking about the world side. I'm talking about from the side of Christianity. Trying to blend it all together. Make it all one. Make it all okay. No no black and white. No holy and unclean. Holy and profane. Clean and unclean. It's all good. We're all going to the same place. We may take different paths to get there, but we're, we're all headed to the same place. That's a lie from the pits of hell. There's one way. He's the only way. One Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of all who is above all, through all, in you all. I am the way, the truth, the life. Except a man be born of the water and of the Spirit, he can't see, he can't enter the kingdom. It's not different roads all leading to the same place. The Word of God clearly defines... And now, and, and man, it's amped up because if you believe today in absolutes, you, you, are, you are a danger to society. If you stand for absolutes, you, you got a problem. You, we, we can't let you do that anymore. And the scary thing is when the church, and the church is trying to figure out a way How can we water this thing down? How can we make it more appealing? How can we make it more popular? That's not what Jesus called us to do. That was never His approach. I'm not going to call any names, but some of you have been talking about the whole time I've been talking. I guess maybe you're talking about how great I'm talking. I kind of doubt it. And if you can't make up your mind, if you're going to be double-minded, you are in great danger. Because the enemy is looking for every opportunity to get a foothold. I've said this numerous times lately. I'm going to probably keep saying it. It's nothing profound. It's not any great revelation. We all should know this. But the devil doesn't show up with a big banner when he comes to mess with you. He doesn't come with a big old banner, neon sign. I'm the devil. I'm here to do... He doesn't do that. He's subtle. 
He's deceptive. The Bible says he masquerades as an angel of light. It's a sad thing when born again, Holy Ghost filled people are ignorant of his devices. Trying to see how much fire you can play with and not get burned. And when you're double-minded, it affects every aspect of your life. I want you to look at look at look at this Judges chapter two. Here, this is this is part of this was one of those many ways, many areas in which natural things that happen to the children of Israel are spiritual principles for us today. This is the children of Israel. They've, they've come out of Egypt. They've gone through the wilderness. They've crossed over the Jordan. They're in the land of promise. In fact, Joshua has now died. So, I mean, they've, they have conquered the land. They are now living in the land that God promised them. But watch what it says Judges 2 and 20. And the anger of the Lord was hot against Israel. And he said, because that this people hath transgressed my covenant, which I commanded their fathers, and have not hearkened unto my voice, I, will also, I also will not henceforth drive out any from before them, of the nations which Joshua left when he died. If, if you read the verses, several verses, I don't remember it's the immediate verses, but it's in this chapter. If you read verses prior to this, you'll find where it, it talks about the different tribes. And it says, nevertheless, such and such a tribe did not drive out all the inhabitants. And so... The context of what is being said here with the anger of the Lord and how they transgress, that's what it's in reference to. And so verse 21, he says, I also will not henceforth drive out any from before them of the nations which Joshua left when he died. If they're not going to do what I told them to do, I'm not going to do it for them. That through them, so now now he's kind of... this isn't really what he's doing, but it's the, the, the term that comes to mind. He's, he's kind of flip-flopping on this because initially he says, you drive out all the inhabitants, but now it's saying that he is going to use them to prove Israel. So he told them to drive them all out. They didn't do it. So now he says, I'm going to take that and use it as a way of proving, as a way of testing you. Testing you for what? To see whether or not they will keep the way of the Lord to walk therein as their fathers did keep it or not. You know what? That kind of sounds like the garden to me. You can eat of every tree in the garden except for the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. The day you eat of it, you will die. You ever ever thought? Most of you know, you already know, and so you're too mature for me to get you on this but I mean have you ever thought at one point at least why did God put the tree there why put the come on God why put the tree there and then tell them not you can have all this 
Why couldn't you just eliminate the one tree and said you could have everything? If that was the case, how would he approve them? If there wasn't, if there weren't options to choose from, I mean, it, it, it'd be like. <laughs> I mean, if you, I don't think this proposal would go over very well. Well. There ain't nobody else for me, so would you please marry me? How did, how, there had to be something to prove them. And so, even though initially he told them, in fact, I'll just go ahead and read it to you. Deuteronomy 7, verse 1, he told them in advance. This was before they ever even got into the promised land. When the Lord thy God shall bring thee into the land, whither thou goest to possess it, and hath cast out many nations before thee, the Hittites and the Girgashites and the Amorites and the Canaanites and the Perizzites and the Hivites and the Jebusites, seven nations greater and mightier than thou. And when the Lord thy God shall deliver them before thee, thou shalt smite them and utterly destroy them. Thou shalt make no covenant with them, nor show mercy unto them. Neither shall thou make marriages with them. Thy daughter thou shalt not give unto his son, and nor his his daughter shall thou take unto thy son. That, that's what he's talking about. They transgressed. Therefore the Lord left those nations without driving them out hastily, neither delivered he them into the hand of Joshua so he could prove them. So he could test them to see, are you going to obey me? Are you going to follow my commands? Are you going to do... and, and you read, in fact, I think it's in uh, chapter 3 of Judges. You read chapter 3 and they start intermarrying. And so the gods of the enemies start to become mixed in with their gods or their God. I, I got a question. You go home tonight, get ready for bed. How many snakes are too many snakes for you to lay down? How many spiders? I mean, come on, one little tiny spider, if you knew it was somewhere in your... your, your I mean, surely you're good with just laying down and... Isn't it amazing naturally, naturally, the things we would not tolerate any level of? I, I probably won't get the whole details of the story exactly right, but I'm going to tell it at least the way I remember anyway. We were staying at my parents a couple years ago in between houses, and Timothy and Nathaniel had tents set up in the basement. It's pretty cool setups. And one night, Timothy claims there was a spider, a big spider, in his bed. Right? That was, yeah. And uh, he ended up, if I remember correctly, he ended up going upstairs to sleep the remainder of the night. Says he killed it. But there was no trace of it. 
So either he was just dreaming or he didn't really kill it. It just played possum on him. But he didn't sleep there. And I don't blame him. I'm not judging. There's no... Isn't it, it's amazing naturally speaking. I mean, if I, had, if I was about to give you this, this bottle of water and I had a syringe of sewage water, how much would be too much? How much? I'm pretty certain, unless you were just absolutely dying of thirst, if you knew that the slightest drop of sewage water was put into this water, you would have nothing to do with it. And yet, some of you here don't think twice about watching R-rated movies. Some of you don't think twice about watching PG-13, finding out what's in it, what's not in it. And you know, <laughs> well, anyway, you would never, you, would, you wouldn't tolerate, you wouldn't tolerate one drop but you're going to sit and figure out how much sewage. All right, all right. How much sewage can you mix into your spirit? Isn't it amazing? It is what's kind of amazing to me. If I had a syringe of sewage, it wouldn't take but one speck of water. Or excuse me, one drop of it in this water and you'd be done. The flip side is, if I had a container with one drop of sewage water, you wouldn't care how much water I was then pouring in. Because the sewage trumps the clean. You can't mix with the junk of this world and it not affect you and it not rub off on you. And if you are back and forth, I'm I'm not talking about perfection here tonight, folks. A righteous man falls. A righteous man falls. There is no such thing as reaching perfection in your walk with God on this earth. Never. But there's a big difference between living single-mindedly and stumbling as a human versus living double-minded. There's a big difference. So, he says, I'm now going to leave because I'm going to see. Whether or not you're going to keep my commit, whether or not you're going to walk in my ways. Another one of those things I keep saying, but it's just because it disturbs me so deeply. The number of people that want to sit and debate, the number of supposedly saved people that want to sit around and argue why being more like the world is okay. 
I do not understand in any capacity. And then what's sad is those that want to sit around and listen to those that want to argue and tell them why that's okay because they're looking for a way because they are double-minded. This is... Let me just show you where we end up when we mix. Let's show you where we end up when we start pulling at threads of truth. I, I had a, an article popped up on, on uh, my Facebook page yesterday, and I, I, I read it, and then it kind of got me going on a rabbit trail, and I followed that rabbit trail up today. So this was, I, this was amazing to me. Haley Bieber, Haley Baldwin Bieber, the great Justin Bieber's wife, who are Christians that attend or have attended Hillsong Church in New York City. Listen, listen to this, this, this is an amazing article. See if it piques your interest the way it did mine. She says this The cover girl, also, the cover girl that is in Haley Bieber, the cover girl also spoke about how sometimes, I'm going to try to keep, this is legit, but I'm trying not to chuckle here because this is amazing. Sometimes she feels other Christian. That, I, I was about to cover this up so y'all couldn't read it. That was real smart, wasn't it? <laughs> to acknowledge my blondness. <laughs> Why was I? Oh yeah. That, that, how many? Anybody ever? You're not probably like to raise your hands on this, but anybody ever felt judged by other? I mean. Thank you, brother. Yeah, okay. Some of y'all will be, yeah. I, I mean, and you ever, I mean, sometimes we have felt, people have felt judged and, and, and in ways they should not have felt judged. Again, we're human beings, but this, this, this is amazing. Sometimes she, sometimes she feels other Christian people judge her for modeling lingerie or bathing suits. I've met, quote, I've met Christian people that are just super judgmental and made me feel like I'm a bad person because I don't live my life the way they think I should live my life, she explained. Okay. There's more. And I felt weird about posting certain photos of myself or feeling like, People in the church are going to see this. Am I doing something wrong? Am I setting a bad example? And the rea- look, hold on. The rea- this is quote. And the reality is, no. No. You know what the 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 uh, the. Um, the the headline I think the headline of the article was about how that their Christian faith is what's kept them together. 
That's, that was the, that's the point of this article. And so it's in that that she is saying, be, feeling judged because of her modeling lingerie and swimsuits and, 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 and that people, she feels, am I doing something wrong? Am I setting a bad example? And she says, no. Baldwin insisted back in 2019, the daughter of Stephen Baldwin said her ultimate purpose is to represent Jesus. And then she says, this is amazing. Look look at these first three words, the first five words. One, two, three. I obviously believe in modesty. She models lingerie and swimsuits, but she obviously believes in modesty. Ah, But watch this. Here we go. Here's why it's all okay. Because a big part of my job is body and face and vanity. And that is the whole premise of what I do. So it's actually really difficult to try to be like, this is what I do for my job, but on Sunday, I'm in church, and that's a real thing for me, and that's a real lifestyle for me, and Jesus is a real thing for me without it looking like I'm compromising everything. That's the world we're in! I don't know about judging, but I just, t- let me ask you wives something. How judgmental would you be feeling if you're scrolling through your Instagram and Sister Haley, is that what I said her? If Sister Haley's got post pictures of herself all up in her lingerie, how many of y'all are going to feel judgmental towards her? I don't think so. Judgmental's not going to be the feeling. You better get that junk off of there before my husband happens to see that. That's not a judgmental. But look at where we are trying to blend two worlds together. The sad thing is some of you just read that along with me and you think that's absolutely absurd. And yet, I hate to say it, but some of you, if God doesn't get a hold of you, you're on the same path. Maybe not today, but give it some time, and you'll be making ridiculous statements like that. Because a double-minded man is unstable in all their way. How in the world do you get to that kind of garbage? I'm sorry. I don't think you should feel judged. That's not about feeling judged. That's about trying to figure out. I mean, has she ever read what the Bible says about vanity? I mean, that's her excuse. My, I mean, my, my, my livelihood is vanity. Well, read your Bible. Show me, please, where there's approval upon vanity. But you know what the sad thing is? She can find places to sit where the pulpit is going to condone and endorse that kind of thinking 
and attitude. It's going to reinforce that kind of mindset. We are in perilous times. We are in perilous times. If you do not make up your mind that thy word, thy word, and I know if you read it in the King James, it says thy word is a lamp. But can I say it this way in the context of tonight? Thy word is the lamp. It's not a lamp. It is the lamp to my feet and a light to my, and the light to my path. I don't want anything else besides God's word being what shows me where to walk, how to live, how to act how to talk, how to think. I want that to be the sole source. I don't want it to be the latest, greatest book out there. I don't want it to be the latest, greatest preacher. I don't want it to be the latest, greatest worship group. I want the Word and the Word of God alone to be what is the lamp to my feet. I want to be singularly focused that my affections, my desires are governed by the Word of God because if If a double-minded man is unstable in all his ways, then a single-minded man is stable in all his ways. Doesn't just work. God doesn't just do stuff to the negative. So if we have a single mind, a single focus, then I can expect stability in every aspect of my life. You know these verses, most of you probably can quote them, but Revelation 3.14, To the angel of the church of the Laodiceans write these things, saith the Amen, the faithful and true witness, the beginning of the creation of God. I know your works. You're neither cold nor hot. I would that you were cold or hot. So then, because thou art lukewarm and neither cold nor hot, I will spew thee out of my mouth. Message Bible says it this way. I know you inside and out and find little to my liking. You're not cold. You're not hot. Far better to be either cold or hot. You're stale. You're stagnant. You make me want to vomit. Anybody ever had that nasty experience? I have it every now and then, unfortunately, still, where you go to try to take one more sip of coffee and the temperature is now lukewarm. Ugh. I've spewed a few times back into the cup. I guess there's a dear. I was having this conversation with uh, Jalen the other day. He, had, he gave me a ride to the church. My future son-in-law. <laughs> First time I've said that. I'm not going to say it again for a while. No offense to him. It's not about him. He was talking about drinking cold coffee. I'm like, I, I guess. I mean, I don't understand that. But I know a bunch of y'all do it. I guess there's something about intentionally drinking it cold. 
Because when you're drinking it warm and it gets... So I guess it's kind of for some of you at least that like both sides, cold or hot, I guess you're, you're kind of there. And I've, I've heard different things about this verse and different contexts of it, but I also as I've studied it out for myself, at least what a lot of the commentaries say, it's basically like what you and I would use those terms figuratively. Use it in athletics all the time. A batter is hot. Every time he goes to the plate, it's like he's getting a hit. And then he goes through a cold or a shooter in, in basketball. He'll be, he'll be hot. NBA, what is it, NBA Jam? He's on fire. <laughs> Shoot the shot and there was literally flames on everything he shot when he was on fire went in. And you go cold and you can't. You want to be hot in this context. You want to be hot. And yet the Lord said, I wish I'd rather you just be cold. And in the the implication is cold is not good. But he said, I'd rather you be cold rather than being somewhere in the middle. I wonder how many lukewarm saints there are today. I wonder how many lukewarm saints apostolics there are today that we're living in the middle we're not we're not cold but we're far from hot we're trying to live do, do you know do you know the the problem i need y'all y'all to put your imagination caps on for a moment there's a there's about a 4 inch most of you have seen it. There's about a four-inch um, strip of carpet up here. I, I need you to pretend with me for a moment. It's a balance beam, okay? You know the problem with trying to walk such a narrow, especially if it's actually elevated, your focus is all about balancing. Because the problem is, In this context, there's one side that I should live on. There's one side I really should be fully invested in, my walk with God, my my, my relationship with God, ministry, my purpose in the kingdom. I really ought to be all in with that. But then there's this other side that I like to dabble in, but I know I really shouldn't be all the way over there. So I want to try to find the balance. The problem is you never enjoy either one. You're so focused on the balance, you never get the benefits of either one. If you study this out, what some of the commentaries say, and this is a bit extreme, but it's almost as if he's saying, I'd rather you just be backslid. Just go. Just go. Rather than being in a frame of mind where you are back and forth between two worlds. I'm not, I'm not trying to be judgmental, as Haley Bieber says, but I, that, that, that is. Uh, you want to come in and be some wonderful little Christian on Sunday, but justify everything else. I'm sorry, I'm not trying to be mean tonight. I hope you feel my spirit. I'm not trying to be mean, but the problem is, no, not to that extent and not to that ridiculousness, but some of you are living the same way. 
justifying Monday through Saturday. It's not two worlds, folks. If you're trying to do that, then you're double-minded. If you're trying to live one set of way, one way, one set of values, one set of things governing your life several days of the week, and then a couple of days of the week you're trying to live with the Word of God governing your life, you are double-minded. And therefore, you are unstable in all of your ways. Adam Clark says this, You are neither pagans nor Christians, neither good nor evil, neither led away by false doctrine, nor thoroughly addicted to that which is true. <laughs> oh, Lord. You're, 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 you're not pagans, you're not Christians, neither good nor evil, neither led away by false doctrine, but you're not thoroughly addicted to that which is true. In a word, they were listless and indifferent and seemed to care little whether paganism or Christianity prevailed, though they felt little zeal either for their salvation or of their either for the salvation of their souls or, of, or that of others, yet they had such a general conviction of the truth and importance of Christianity that they could not readily give it up. I, I know there's some truth to it. I, I'm not prepared to be sold out and fully committed to it, but I also know I can't reject it. That is, you should be decided, adopt some part or other and be in earnest in your attachment to it. If ever the words of Mr. Erskine in his gospel sonnets were true, they were true of this church. To good and evil equal bent, I'm both a devil and a saint. They were too good to go to hell, but too, go- too bad to go to heaven. Did- <laughs> Y'all with me? Y'all dismissed already. They were too good to go to hell but too bad to go to heaven. Like Ephraim and Judah, Hosea 6 and 4, O Ephraim, what shall I do unto thee? O Judah, what shall I do unto thee? For your goodness is as a morning cloud, and as the early dew it passeth away. They had good dispositions which were captivated by evil ones, and they had evil dispositions which in their turn yielded to those that were good. And the divine justice and mercy seemed puzzled to know what to do or what to know what to do to or with them. This was the state of the Laodicean church, and our Lord expresses here in, apparent, in His apparent wish the same that is expressed by Epictetus, Thou oughtest to be one kind of man, either a good man or a bad man. It's believed, I think, by many, in fact, I've heard Brother Yu share this sometimes through the years, that you can look at the seven churches that the Lord addressed as being time periods of the church throughout history. And the Laodicean church being the last day church. Lukewarm. Watered down trying to find some way to balance both worlds. 
I, I, believing there is a God and believing there is an eternity and wanting to have eternal life, but also being drawn to the things of this world and so wanting to blend both. I've watched people through the years, both in my time of pastoring and even before that, just by observation, I've watched people who have made life-altering decisions, career decisions, because of principles of the Word of God. I've watched people give up jobs that were offering more money and greater opportunities from a natural perspective. But because of their commitment and dedication to the Word of God, they rejected those opportunities that were too good to pass up. But Sister Bieber's face and body and vanity is justifiable. All right, you, you shouldn't be calling names. You shouldn't be so judgmental. You know who's saying that if you're saying that? If anybody's thinking that, I'll tell you who's thinking that. Those that are trying to figure out. How can I balance these two worlds? How can I have the best of both? How can I live the way I want to live, but still I want to get to heaven? I, uh, I'm, I'm, I'm winding down. I said I kind of got on a few rabbit trails. Came across, <laughs> I came across this article on GQ. I don't recommend. I don't endorse GQ. I don't, but it was a link, and I clicked on it. And uh, the the um, got my slides out of order. This is the title of the article: "Hype Priests." Hype priests, the grail-wearing pastors who dress like Justin Bieber. This is a this is a GQ. Now, if you go look up this article, I will tell you there's a little bit of profanity spattered throughout, but it's GQ. As I said, I don't endorse GQ. But there, there's some really <laughs> amazing. I mean, this guy, this is G, this is not any this is not a pastor. This is not a this is this is GQ. Pretty carnal. Probably about as carnal as you can get in some ways. And and this is this is and, and this is just one I this is just one of the, the things. This is the last article. I mean this is the last paragraph of the article. And and part of the point of the article is and, and he's got a couple of pictures, he shows Justin Bieber hanging out with some of these mega church pastors, and they're dressed exactly alike in a social setting, except that's the same way they dress when they preach. And that was part of the point of his old article. And this is how he summarizes it. Here is my confession. Presumably delivered to a man wearing a long-sleeved gilded tee with his church's name printed in a gnarly metal font down the sleeves. Those of us that are 50 or about to be 50 and older probably don't understand half of that sentence, but... Not sure what Gildan is, but I do have an idea of what gnarly is. But. Church's name printed in a gnarly metal font down the sleeve. 
I w- listen. This, this is again. This is this is a secular, non-religious, non. <laughs> and listen to what he says. I wish Justin Bieber the best. Love yourself is among the finest pop songs of this short century, and I find his Instagram account to be deeply charming in its utter lack of guile. But even if he weren't Justin Bieber, he'd deserve the guidance, spiritual or otherwise, he's seeking. We all deserve that. And part of what the article was touching on was these celebrity pastors, hype priests, these celebrity pastors. Would they be giving the same attention and care and whatever to a non... But then watch this. This is, this is amazing. I, I, he deserved the guidance, spiritual otherwise, he's seeking. We all deserve that. All I mean to say is this. It is rather remarkable that the men Justin Bieber has entrusted to deliver that guidance have decided to dress like Justin Bieber. The men Justin Bieber has entrusted his spiritual guidance to are becoming like him, taking on his That's just a that's just a secular observation of somebody saying who's rubbing off on who here? Who's changing who here? Who's the who's the single minded and who's the double minded here? What's interesting? I, I, maybe I sh- really shouldn't go here, but the guy who's known for baptizing Justin Bieber is the pastor of Hillsong Church in New York City. The guy who I read a little bit more today, and he gives some explanation, but the guy when asked by Oprah Winfrey, Oprah Winfrey about Jesus Christ being the only way a pastor, a Christian pastor, who would not clearly affirm that. Who last year was fired from Hillsong because of an extramarital affair. Because a double-minded man, a double-minded man, and I'm, I, I am not exempt from failure, folks. I, I, I don't know why I feel the need to defend what I'm saying. Probably just the devil. But I am not exempt from failure. And there are apostolics who have failed. But if you ever pay attention, it's amazing the number of these mainstream pastors who are peddling this gospel of mixing both worlds that immorality comes to the surface in their lives. Because you can't preach a gospel that doesn't require taking up your cross and following Jesus and being submitted to the Word. of You can't avoid preaching that and it not impact every area of your life. Part of the downfall of the children of Israel, naturally speaking, in Judges, that history, that time period, was the mixing together. I don't, I don't, I shouldn't have to say it. 
I'm, I'm not teaching tonight. I'm not ministering here tonight that we are supposed to become some exclusive club. Jesus prayed some of his final words. He said, Lord, I'm not asking you to take them out of the world. What I'm asking you to do is to keep them in it. Why? Why? Because there are souls that need to be reached. So this isn't about us becoming some exclusive club. It's not what I'm, that's not what I'm teaching tonight. It's not what I'm saying here tonight. But at the same time, it's not about us being like them to better attract them. The world sees through all of that. It recognizes when you're trying to use smoke and mirrors. You're trying to be a, 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 a put on a production to draw. Seize it. God help us. God help us to be single minded. To be on fire. Not to just be hot or cold, but to be hot. To be passionate about who we are and what we are and what we're doing. And our, our passionate in our relationship. We heard it Sunday morning. Passionate in our relationship with God. I, 29 plus years now of marriage. For 29 years, one of the biggest motivations of my life is what does my life what does what does my wife like what does she prefer what does she want well you and I are the bride she does the same thing for me you and I are his bride our thoughts ought to be what what does the what does what does our husband want what does he like what does he dislike I, for, for years, I, I shouldn't probably tell this, but I think I've told it before, but for years, every couple of weeks or so, I'd bring home a 12 dozen, or not 12 dozen, a dozen, <laughs> I'd bring home a dozen red roses, and I just, I was so proud of myself. Finally, after, I think it was several years, it's kind of sad that she had to wait that long that maybe she didn't think I could take it. Well, finally, she, she very kindly, but she let me know, I, I, I'm not really crazy about red roses. Hmm. I mean, if I'm going to bring flowers, I would like to bring the kind. What good is it for me to keep bringing red roses if she doesn't really like red roses? Because part of what I'm, and now that I know she's not crazy about red roses, what am I telling her if I persist in doing it my way? I don't really care what you think. I don't, I'm going to do what I want to do for you how I want to do it, and you're going to... Ex- we, would never, we would never do that naturally, or at least hopefully you would. If you would, you can contact Esther, and I'll set up a counseling appointment with you and your spouse. <laughs> I, I've got, I, I, where'd Brother Middleton sneak off to? I, I, I had, because I probably wouldn't wear it. In, I, I now I told my wife this, I never dreamed I'd see the day where I wore two button jackets, two button suits. 
For years it was all it only was double-breasted and then I evolved into three or four button and now and then I mean when I was teenager if your pants didn't have pleats and you were a guy we wondered about your sexuality. <laughs> now here I am. But every every in a, the majority of what I wear, my wife likes. Every now and then, those are a few things though. That I I, I had a I had an orange kind of a burnt orange jacket, double breasted jacket. I held on to it probably longer than I should have. But I eventually let it go. Why? Why? Because what are you saying, Brother Wright? What I'm saying is what my wife prefers is more important than what I prefer. I know it's so easy to get caught up in religion. But if anybody's heard it, this church has heard it. It's not about religion. And when you really are in relationship, that's more motivation than anything. I want to, as best I can, I want to please my wife. That's the way we should be. And that should translate to Him. Not, we may still be married after 29 years if I had approached it. How much can I get by with what I like that you don't like? And st- I, I guess we may have survived, but it wouldn't be anything more than survival. Why do I want to force him into a position of surviving, having to put up with things he doesn't like? Having him to have to tolerate my double-mindedness. Father, I pray that you would help us tonight, help this congregation. We are living in challenging times. Lord, I realize the enemy has always been working to get a foothold in the church to to find a way to get in and influence us and affect our the way we believe, the way we live, how we think, what we do. Lord, I I believe that in this day and time we're in, it's it's amped up even more. I pray that you would help us rather than trying to figure out and live how we can mix in all of this as much as we can and still figure out a way to be saved. Instead of trying to figure out how can I allow as much in and still make it to heaven, help us, to God, help us God, to become single-minded that Your Word, Your Spirit, 
is the governing force in our lives. It's not what popular culture may say. It's not what the latest trends may be. It's not what the latest way of thinking may be. But it's the eternal, forever settled word that is the lamp to guide us. I pray tonight, God, for any individual part of this congregation present or not that may be living double-minded. I pray that by the working and the moving of your Spirit, you would bring them to the place of being single-minded. God, if we are lukewarm, I pray that the fire of your Spirit would be turned up in our lives. We don't want to just be cold as a better option than being lukewarm. We want the fire of your Spirit to burn in our hearts and our lives. In the name of Jesus Christ. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. Praise God. Praise God. God bless you. Thank you for being here this evening.